Hello everyone, I'm Neve Butler-Walton and welcome to How To with Performance In. This is a very special episode of the podcast as it was recorded live from Old Billingsgate at PI Live London 2021. It was my pleasure to take to the Tips of Pyramid stage alongside Robin Ward to chat all things influencer marketing, social and creator commerce. Thanks again to all attendees, exhibitors, sponsors and speakers at PI Live. It was an incredible experience. And without further ado, here's the podcast. Right, so hello everybody. Thank you so much for coming to PI Live London. It's so great to be here. And it's a huge pleasure for me as it's actually my first event with Performance In. So it's really nice to be able to put kind of faces to names of people that I've been speaking to over the past year. Um, I started the How To podcast earlier this year and this is the first live edition. So yeah, it's going to be put out um, afterwards for you to listen to if you'd like to go back or share it with people if you enjoy it. Here on stage with me, I've got Robin Ward, who is head of sales at LTK. So within Robin's role, he works with some of the world's premium lifestyle creators, ensuring that they're economically successful and that the brands that are working with them are reaping the benefits too. So yeah, today's topic is how to integrate influencers into a performance-based model. So thank you so much for being here, Robin. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Right. So let's jump straight in. Can you tell us all kind of a bit more about what your role entails? Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, thank you everyone for attending as it is the last session of the day after a long two-day event. So we really appreciate it. Um, essentially, my role is I lead the brand team. So I'm more brand facing um, and I talk to sort of European brands about how they work with influencers, how they work with creators and making sure that influencer marketing is a kind of cornerstone of their brand activity. It's a big focus for me. Um, I also spend time growing our team, launching into new territories. Um, we launched into Berlin most recently, into Germany, and also we're launching into Paris and France next year. So I spend time, you know, hiring and bringing in people, bringing in new skills to the team. And not just me, but fundamentally what we do at LGK is just connect thousands and thousands of brands on one side of the thing, um, one side of the platform with hundreds of thousands of creators or influencers on the other side. Great. Yeah, it sounds very busy. Um, yes. But yeah, I think the influ influencer marketing industry is so fast paced. That's definitely what keeps it interesting. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so why do you think a brand would choose to use influencers over more traditional affiliates? Um, that's a really good question. And I've been coming to these events for many, many years, and I still don't think I actually know what a traditional affiliate is. Um, for me, it's essentially a payment mechanism. Affiliate seems to have morphed from affiliate to partnerships. Um, fundamentally, it's businesses working together on a usually a CPA basis, um, performance-driven partnerships. So I guess we fit into that quite broad box, but for creators, I think they offer something quite unique to brands that they can't necessarily get from other partners. Um, the creator audience relationship is a very, very strong one. So the relationship the creators have with their audiences is very powerful and brands really look to tap into that. You know, we'll talk about recent times, the last 18 months, and I think that is especially prevalent during that period of time. Um, going on from that, I think, you know, the way creators can humanize products mm -hmm. and can humanize the shopping, a digital shopping experience 
again, has been particularly prevalent in the last 18 months and particularly leaned into by brands. Um, we really see creators as the new shop window. You know, um, we're going to talk about differentiators between social commerce, creator commerce. Are they the same? Are they different? But, you know, we're talking about accessing high quality content that can live forever. And we're not discount led. We're not voucher led. You know, a lot of brands find that quite attractive. And we have the ability to drive very significant volumes. Um, so I think for me, there's some of the signifiers that I see from brands of why they're particularly interested in creator marketing. Great. So if a performance marketer did decide that they wanted to start incorporating influencers into strategy, what would you say are the best practices for an integrated strategy? So there's a lot of different things you can look at. I think a good place to start is a long-term view. Um, that is increasingly prevalent with brands and with the creators themselves. Um, you know, terms like brand ambassadors, working with groups of influencers or individual influencers, very prolonged periods drives very good audience affinity, it drives greater conversion, um, it drives greater trust, it drives greater authenticity, and these are all really key things for brands. Mm. You can iterate quarter on quarter. You know, we're very performance data driven at LTK, so we can look at that data and we can optimize campaigns ongoing if we have that long-term view. Um, also, a brand will benefit from building audiences with creators, um, tapping into those audiences, building lots of net new audiences. Um, I think as well, there's a real, you really have to appreciate with a, an integrated influencer strategy, you've got to have everyone around the table. So this is very focused in brands. You know, you've got to have the performance team there. It often starts within the performance team or even the affiliate team. Um, you've got to have the brand team, the PR team, um, you know, the creator team, there's more often than not individual creator teams at brands. Um, you know, you've got to have buy-in from the CFO. I guess that's true with, with everything. We need uh, a check to be signed. But, you know, you have to have everyone around that table because of the uniqueness of what creators offer. They often tap into those different interests and those different budget parts brand side. And then the last thing I'd say on it is think about how you measure. Um, you know, our model has challenges with last click. You know, our industry, I think, you know, it's a long ongoing conversation with regards to last click, but our type of part, us as a type of partner, LTK as a publisher, if you want to call us that, you know, we often have challenges with that type of attribution model. So think about the metrics you're applying to your influencer strategies. And finally, you know, appreciate you're working with hundreds, if not thousands of one person businesses, small business owners. Um, you know, who are often taking a lot of risks at their own expense to promote you and your brands. Um, so, yeah, they're some of the kind of best practices that I think come to mind. Great. Perfect. So, at LTK, going on to creator commerce, that's something that you're known for. How exactly would you define creator commerce? Um, it's really important to set this definition. For us especially, we see it as creator commerce and social commerce has been two very different things. If we start with social commerce, it's, you know, it's people accessing Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, you know, the various different social platforms, primarily for entertainment purposes. Um, and then shopping experiences being built into those platforms, which is what we're seeing a lot of at the moment. Mm. You know, TikTok, a huge e-commerce push on um, their side. Instagram launching 
an Instagram affiliate network. You know, this is going to happen, and this is only going to happen more and more and more. And so for us, we're really about why are people there and what is, what is the platform set up for? We're a shopping destination, and we use signals, and we use um, channels like the ones I've just mentioned. But with LTK, with our own owned app, people come to us to shop. We know that because we see four times higher conversion rates versus those other social platforms. And so creator commerce is really about the creators, creator-led shopping. It's not signals that are being fed into an algorithm to feed an ad, set, an ad engine. It's about creators informing people and creators ultimately being the first and maybe even the last destination you hit as a consumer. Um, and being inspired by those creators to purchase in a purposeful way, rather than you know, scrolling through for entertainment or news or connecting with family, mm -hmm. and then thinking, oh, I might buy that jacket as well. So it's that intentionality and that focus on the creator. Mm -hmm. um, we're really seeing that as a fundamental difference between creator commerce and uh, social commerce. Great. So kind of with all that considered and say strategies have been put in place, you have kind of touched on, touched on this already, but in your opinion, what would be kind of the best way to measure the effectiveness of a campaign with influencers? Is there kind of certain metrics that should be focused on? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely certain metrics. There's no silver bullet. Um, it looks different for every campaign, for every brand. You know, earlier on, I talked about having different brands, teams around the table. Those different teams have got different goals. They've got different things they want out of a campaign, a collaboration, or a partnership. And so part of our job is to kind of listen and to quantify and to rationalize and then to propose a strategy off the back of that. But I think we really focus on, one of our big um, focuses is performance data. You know, we have 130,000-ish creators on the platform, 5,000 brands. We've been in the UK for nine years. We've been running for 10 years. And so we can tap into that data set and into those data signals to inform whatever the brand goals are. And I've been at LTK a couple of years now, and now I can see that data set behind the business. It's fascinating. You know, you might look at, I'm sure many of you, most of you probably follow creators, follow influencers. Performance of creators and influencers does not correlate with what you see when you're scrolling through their Instagram feed or, you know, um, their LTK store. And so we look at region, we look at country, we look at vertical, we look at the creator, we look at content type in order to understand how a particular collaboration or how a particular campaign will perform. Um, brands are increasingly moving into the creator marketplace um, and they're often very focused on performance and that is great, but it also has its challenges. Um, you know, we're at a conference that came out of the affiliate industry. There's lots of performance-minded people here. They care about sales. Um, you know, we often rationalize our campaigns back to that as a cornerstone metric. How many sales will this creator drive me? Um, also, I think in the last 18 months, we've seen exploding creator budgets and huge growth in the industry. But that comes with greater rationalization, especially with regards to ROAS. We see a lot of ROAS pressures and thinking about how hard is my money going to work? And then that takes us back to the attribution piece and how are you measuring it? You know, what kind of return can I expect? Um, and so 
I think they're the main points mm -hmm. um, with regards to measuring a campaign. But I'd say fundamentally, as influencer marketing's grown up, it's in a performance-driven space, and our typical performance metrics are cornerstone metrics. Yeah. Great. So do you mind going into a bit more about kind of how consumer habits have changed over the past few months? Yeah, it's so? been an ever-evolving, ever-changing picture. Mm -hmm. um, we're fortunate to be a global business, so while we're seeing one dynamic in one market, we're seeing a completely different one in another. And I'm talking specifically with relation, with relation to the last um, 18 months. You know, we always know there's big market differences between different regions and how consumers consume influencer content, how they access it, how they convert. But, you know, at times when some markets are shutting down, other markets are opening up, you know, there's no physical stores available in the UK, but, you know, APAC are doing revenge shopping and they're all going out and buying as much as they can. I think in the EU, thinking specifically about the last few months, 2020 was just such a boom year. And we've seen that carried forward into 2021. We've definitely seen some softness over the summer. Um, I think that's very much to be expected. We've seen audiences detoxing. I don't know how many of you have done that. Put your phone away for a week or, you know, not you know, locked yourself out of uh, your favorite networks for a week. We've seen influencers doing the same thing as well. So also there was a big shift into travel. You know, people not doing so much retail in terms of fashion and beauty and fitness and home and those big sectors that we've seen recently. And the only growth areas, you know, according to um, most metrics we could see were in the travel industry. But then we've had a big rebound in September. Um, and then we're kind of back on to growth on our 2020 um, forecasts. And, you know, I was on a call with our CEO two days ago and he said, you know, Q4 is like our Super Bowl. You know, he's American. He, he's, you know, they're big Super Bowl fans. But it is, you know, the whole year builds up to Q4. Black Friday, Christmas, and it's such a huge peak period. Mm. And we're expecting that to be sustained right through to the end of the year. Great, okay. So why do you think that integrating influencers into a performance-based model can kind of aid brands' adaptation to the consumer habits? One thing we ask of brands is that if they're to work with us, is they're always on. So they're always available to all of our influencers. Um, and that model, that fundamentally affiliate model or you know, commission on sale model is very resilient. Um, we've seen that during you know, times when other brand budgets are being pulled, that is kept on. Um, so that's the first thing to say, but I think here there's a differentiation between measuring and paying, um, which is quite important. As the market's maturing, more and more creators don't work on a commission on sale basis anymore, or they will as a value add, but they're not going to do anything unless they're obligated to. And so that is about how you pay your influencers. Are you paying them fixed collaboration fees? What are the you know, contracts associated? What are the deliverables associated? What are the metrics associated with those collaborations? Mm -hmm. That looks different in different markets. You know, the commission on sale model is still hugely important. For example, in the US, it's much more powerful than in Germany, for example, where creators don't really work at all. Um, unless they're on a um, collaboration basis. So it does look different globally, but that's the paying point. And then the measuring point, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, um, performance is a great indicator of consumer habits. You know, we can use signals in our performance data to understand what consumers are doing at any one time. 
Um, and we did a lot of that last year, and that's continued as well. Um, so looking at that purchasing behavior, looking where people are clicking, looking where people are converting, and being able to feed that back effectively to brands, um, I think is really powerful from creators and gives really strong messages. Mm -hmm. Great. So if we kind of look forward maybe to 2022, what would you say you think are the main things that are in store for, for um, creator commerce and influencer marketing? I think the growth that we've seen um, in not just didn't start in 2020, but it was accelerated in 2020. Um, it's continuing to this year and we expect it to continue beyond the end of 2021. I think the rise of creator commerce is going to be a significant one. And going back to that point earlier about starting and ending your experience with creators or with influencers, I think there's going to be developments there. Creator stores, you know, creators owning an environment where they are the shopping destination. I think we're starting to see quite a lot of that and we'll continue to see more of that. Um, you know, a lot of, as I mentioned earlier, the social platforms are diving into creator commerce in a big way. They're kind of catching on with this and they're realizing there's a lot of value for them to be had. Um, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. You know, we drove three and a half billion dollars and we're going to drive three and a half billion dollars in sales for our brands this year. Um, and so we, this isn't new to us. We think there's going to be more social platforms coming to the fore and more e-commerce experiences tacked onto those platforms. Um, and I think for us at LTK, it's all about Creative Commerce 2.0 and it's all about that shopping experience and that creator-driven um, experience for consumers. And we think that's going to proliferate and that's going to grow and that may come into tensions with social commerce or it may play nicely alongside each other. Um, but I think I expect to see big changes and big um, exciting things in that area. Yeah, I think that's a really exciting thing that's going to be happening. Um, yeah, I'm really glad that we've been able to discuss this today. I think I have to say that we're the last session on the stage and we've still got a good turnout is good. And it shows that there's a lot of interest in this topic. Um, yeah, so I think we're going to go on to some questions now. Um, if I can read it. So let's have a look. Do, do, do. From your experience, where's that one gone? Are influencers open to working on purely a CPA compensation model? Yes, is the first answer. Yes. Um, you know, influencers come in lots of different shapes and sizes in terms of where they act with their businesses. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, everyone that we work with has to have that model in place. You know, we do work um, vast majority with e-commerce brands, so we do have that underpinning everything we do. Mm. However, in order to put some control in place and to target and to sort of get campaign goals in line with exactly what your brand goals are, it, that often leans into collaborations and into paid activity on top of that CPA budget. Um, but a lot of influencers do work purely on CPA and I think they'll continue to do so. Um, but we're increasingly seeing, at least at the top tier of influencers, um, more and more demand for collaboration and ultimately a lot of influencers that work exclusively in that way. Right. So the one at the top says, you said to set the correct metrics, i.e. not last click, hmm. but what are the correct metrics? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, so. 
metrics and last click, I think, for me, are slightly different. Last click's attribution. And I think attribution's a key point. How are you deduping your influencer activity? How are you stacking it up against the rest of your marketing activity? What buckets are you looking in on your GA? Um, you know, these types of questions are important. Code redemption, um, you know, exclusive influencer codes is quite popular. Um, you know, that code redemption, how are you attributing that? Um, so the attribution piece is nuanced, you know, um, complicated. In terms of, sorry, was the first part of that question, how are you paying? Um, you bring that back up. Or, yeah, for me, sorry I've, if I've forgotten the first part of it, but that attribution piece is really key. You know, I saw a post recently from one of the cashback guys saying they're being deduped against Klarna if someone checks out through Klarna on the store. You know, obviously that's not within the creator industry, but I thought that was really interesting. You know, is that fair on that type of publisher? Some publishers are more naturally last click uh, orientated, but with creators, you know, it's often the beginning of the funnel and it's often the hopper at the top. Mm. And, you know, it is very often very premium content. Should that be rewarded in the same way as, you know, um, a voucher code redemption? I don't know. Okay. So we've also got, um, if you're running influencers for performance, A, would you run always on or campaign by campaign? And B, what KPI would you guide a brand to look at? So if you're running a campaign performance, so I guess thinking about our brands, the always on is the CPA piece. That's always there. But now increasingly brands have got always on collaborations. So they're never off on the collaborations. Quarter on quarter, iterating, always obligating content, always contracting influencers, whether it's the same group or working with net new. Um, so always on, it depends on your maturity as a brand as well. Some brands aren't ready for that. You know, it can be quite big investments in terms of budget. So some brands want to dip their toe in the water and kind of try it out with a single standalone campaign. But we know that always on yields the best results. ROAS is, you know, grow and grow and grow um, due to the benefits of that type of activity. Um, KPIs to give a guide to brands. We'll look at like for like. As I said earlier, we're in a very fortunate position where we have a lot of data at our disposal. So we can look at, for example, I don't know, how many L'Oreal lipsticks were sold on multi-brands versus directly at L'Oreal. You know, that on their own D2C, but also on all the restockers that we work with. So we can look at that kind of level of data and understand what type of purchasing behavior is happening already. And that can help guide the KPIs. You know, you've got to be realistic and you've got to be rational. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I want to try a one-off campaign, you know, targeting the top tier of influencers and have a 10 ROAS for you know, a small budget. It's not going to happen. So we're, that's part of our role is to educate and to help and to kind of give that context if that skill set doesn't exist in-house. Mm. Um, ROI, traffic, yeah, ROI is always very important. Traffic is interesting, you know, it's indicative, but, you know, it only totally makes sense within the context of conversion rates mm -hmm. and things like that, you know. Um, so, yeah, they're my thoughts there. Perfect. And then I think we've probably, yeah, got time for one more question, I'd say. So... Um, what do you mean by building audiences with a creator or influencer? Is it building an audience together or finding a new audience together in partnership? That's a great question as well, actually, yeah. So 
Often brands will want to benefit from the relationship the creator has with their audience, so they can instantly tap into that. And the results are just astonishing. You know, uh, a creator will suddenly, in my lipstick example, wear a new lipstick and we'll see the next day that we've sold a thousand of them, you know, in 24 hours. And so brands can benefit from that trust and that high sort of affinity the audience has with that creator and that authenticity. So I think they can look and tap into audiences in that way. And then you can develop those audiences with those same creators or you can look for net new with new. And on the building audiences together piece, we're starting to see some influencers do really interesting building audiences between themselves. So for example, we might have um, two influencers with very different body shapes who style an outfit in the same way. Mm -hmm. And then they'll kind of, you know, give content that's whether it's YouTube videos or whether it's, you know, grid posts or whether it's stories, that's both of them styling a look two very different people and how you can make it work for different types of people. So we're starting to see that happen quite a lot at the moment, which is really nice. And it seems to be really striking a chord with audiences too. Perfect. Well, I think maybe we do have time for another one. Um, we've got, yeah. so what would you say is the success metric for an influencer campaign, which where the objective is brand awareness? That's often more straightforward. Yeah. Um, you know, a brand will want to tap into influencers with very large reach. You know, in terms of sales performance, that doesn't necessarily correlate. An influence with half a million followers versus an influence with 5,000. You know, you're not going to see the same ratio in terms of sales performance. But in terms of brand awareness, um, you often tap into the larger reach. You'll always often use content. Um, sorry, you'll also often use content that will live forever. Um, you know, you can put you to the types of content you'd want to use will be, you know, um, for example, grid posts versus stories um, or, you know, YouTube videos. And we see that a lot as well. That type of certain pieces of content does live forever and certain links will be top sales drivers week after week after week after week. Mm. And the link might be a year old um, and it might just be something that's particularly resonated. So on that brand awareness piece, they're often things to look at. And then affect, you know, looking at what the response is and what the engagement is with that messaging. Um, you know, there's various different ways you can do that is often sort of layered on top. Great. Well, perfect. Thank you so much, Robin. That's the last question. Um, yeah, so it's been great to have you here and LTK are actually sponsoring the Influencer Marketing Show, which is taking place tomorrow. So I hope to see you all there as well. Um, yeah, thank you all for coming to watch and thanks for everyone else who's been on the tips of stage. The podcast has been recorded, so if you would like to catch up, like I said, then you can have a listen afterwards. That's all for me. Thank you very much. Welcome thank you. Guys. Robin, I have a question. Yes. Could I be an influencer and how much money would I make if I was? <laughs> Anyone can be an influencer. Anyone can be an influencer. I think of it like footballers, you know? Everyone thinks of the influencers like the premiership footballers. They get paid a fortune, they live this glorious lifestyle. But the vast majority are just normal people trying to make mm. a living and trying to carve out a niche for themselves. People so like everyone can be an influencer. Just like you. Just like you. <laughs> there we go a huge thank you again to robin for being a part of the podcast and to everybody that came to watch the session or everybody that's listening now see you next time